This morning, I want to look in Acts chapter <coughs> 7. As we begin to look at a few pieces of the life of Moses. And in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen is testifying in his trial for his execution, he gives a, a short history of the nation of Israel. And he begins, and he picks up in verse 22, let's start verse 22. Verse 21, actually. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. Acts 7.22 And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffered wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Brothers, men, you are brothers. Why do you do wrong to each other? But he who is doing his neighbor wrong pushed them away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at that saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when forty years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. In this account of Stephen, it reveals something about Moses that's not recorded in Exodus. That when Moses uh, delivered the, the, the Israelite slave who was being beaten, that it says he supposed his brothers would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they didn't understand it. So Moses was I'm sounds like he was he was set to deliver the children of Israel. But the the children of Israel weren't buying it. And but it was in his heart to deliver them. He felt like he was going to be the deliverer of Israel. And indeed, he was right, but it was the timing was wrong. He was off by 40 years. So how can somebody miss God's timing that much? Well, you see that he did it in a reactionary way. He, he says, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And that's when he saw that whole thing that happened, and he ended up killing the Egyptian slave master. And he thought that the Israelites were just going to join on board with him and be like, "Yes, you know, you're, you know, God's going to use you because you're raised as an Egyptian, but you're one of us." 
and it wasn't that way at all for 40 years. He fled and he went to Midian, he got married, had two kids, and he was living a life of a shepherd out in the wilderness for 40 years. And later on, when you read the story in the book of Exodus, it says that Moses was a humble man, humbler than any man on the face of the earth. And <clears throat> he was trained in all the wisdom of Egypt. And he did a lot, he did accomplished a lot in Egypt, it says. He was a man who was mighty in words and deeds. You read in verse 22. Until he was 40, he was raised as the grandson of Pharaoh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in royalty. And he was trained as a as a grandson of the king. And he did a lot of accomplished a lot of things, built cities and everything. There are a lot of things that aren't recorded that he did, but for until he was forty, he was a he was mighty, it says, in Egypt. He was mighty in words and in deeds. So and it wasn't until he came to visit his own his own nation, his own nationality, the Israelites, that the trouble began for him. And he was going to, apparently, going to lead a rebellion or something. He says he, he thought the Israelites knew that, God, that, you know, God would deliver them by him. And that was in his heart, and that was from God, but the time wasn't there yet. And so he missed God's timing only by 40 years. But yet he is considered and recorded in the book of Hebrews as a man of faith. As we turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, when it talks about all the men and women of faith, it talks about Moses. Hebrews 11:24 By faith Moses when he became of age refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season counting the reproach of Christ greater riches than their treasures in Egypt for he looked to the reward by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses forsook his life of privilege and power and accomplishment and royalty and comfort and anything else you want to put in there. This man of privilege walked away from it all because and it was in his heart, and God put it in his heart, to visit his people. And he didn't fear what the king would do to him. He went out after that Egyptian slave master and delivered one of his own Hebrew brethren. So with that, we want to go back now to the book of Exodus and, and take a little time to look at the story of Moses beginning in Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush where we kind of left off from uh, 
the testimony of Stephen. Exodus chapter 3. Now, all, all Jacob and his whole family went down to Joseph in Egypt, and, the, and many generations later, 430 years later, is where we're at here when we come to the book of Exodus, 430 years after um, the Jacob and his whole family went down and lived in Egypt with Joseph as ruler of Egypt. And so, this is when God meets Moses at the burning bush. We read, and Stephen was talking about, he saw, the, he saw the burning bush. So now, God is speaking to him in the burning bush. In verse 6, he says, Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon him. And the Lord said, I surely have seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So Israelites have become slaves in Egypt. They turned, the Egyptians turned on and made them slaves. Verse 8, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So God be reveals, he begins to reveal his plan to Moses. He says, I'm going to, Take, you know, send you and take them out of Egypt. And Moses, he says, who am I that you should send me, that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Boy, 40 years makes a big difference, doesn't it? 40 years ago, he thinks that God's going to, that God is going to use him and he's going to be the deliverer of, of Israel. And now God tells him, okay, now the time's right. Now I am going to use you. He doesn't want to do it. He says, who am I? He's, he looks at himself. He, I'm the shepherd guy. I'm not, I'm not that royal man of great accomplishment of Egypt. You can begin to see the problem. That Moses is, has been looking at this thing all the time from natural eyes. From, his, from the eyes of self. He was a man of power and influence, and authority in, in Egypt. He's a man of great accomplishment. God is going to use me to deliver them. And then all that's stripped away, and he's a shepherd for 40 years. 
No more self-sufficient Moses. No more man of power and royalty and authority and influence. He's a nobody. He's a shepherd now in his own eyes. In Egypt, that's considered like the lowest, you know, the lowest profession. You read in the story of Joseph that the Egyptians wouldn't eat with the Israelites because they were an abomination, because they were shepherds. They thought shepherds were an abomination. They wouldn't eat with them. And so now, now that he's a shepherd for 40 years, and he's out in the wilderness and away from royalty and away from power, away from influence, away from all this stuff, God says, all right, you know, just, <clears throat> remember when you wanted to do that? You wanted to, me to use you to deliver them? All right, I'm going to do it now. And Moses said, oh, no. Who am I? Now Moses is looking at himself again and saying, I don't measure up anymore. And you know, this is what happens when we look at things through the natural eyes. In the book of 1 Samuel, it says, Man does not see as God sees. Man looks at the outward appearance. Natural ability. God looks upon the heart. Moses was ready in God's eyes. Moses was ready. He th Moses thought he was ready 40 years before. But God had to bring him to a hum place of humbling where he had to put his faith in the power of God. Because he looked at himself and says, I don't have the power to do this. And it's a message to each of us as Christians about how we should live and how we should look at life and what our viewpoint of life should be. So we go to verse 16. God says to Moses, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you, seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hittites and Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey and they shall listen to your voice and you shall come you and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt and you shall say to him the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us and now please let us go three days into the wilderness that we may sacrifice the Lord our God <coughs> listen to the next part but I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. So there it is in a nutshell. God has spoken face to face with Moses in the burning bush and says, look, I'm going to send you there. He's not going to let you go. He says, I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to strike Pharaoh and all of Egypt with all my wonders. And after I'm done with him, then I'll let him go. And you know, it's amazing, and this is not the only example, but it's amazing how sometimes God lays out a plan to his people in plain language, and they don't hear it. 
It's laid right out there. Last week, we talked about the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man produces much. We talked about the words of Jesus where he says, all things are possible to him who believe. I mean, that's plain language. And we stumble over it. We, we, we struggle with those words. And when we are confronted with life, we don't remember what God said. We don't apply it to, to these situations. It's where panic and fear and anxiety and strife and all those things come from. God's word's laid out in front of us and we're not hearing it. And you see this happen with Moses. God said, I'm going to send you to him, but I know he's not going to let you go. Until I beat him up, him and all of Egypt, I'm going to beat them all up and then they're going to let you go. With my power. I'm going to, I'm going to strike Egypt and, and, and then after I'm done with them, when I'm done wrecking them, then they're going to let you go. Not too hard to understand what he says here, is it? And he spoke that face to face with Moses, not in some parable, it's plain. <clears throat> but Moses' response, in verse chapter four and verse one, and Moses said and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. <clears throat> You see that Moses begins thinking of all the things that could possibly go wrong. And this is number one. You're going to send me to your people. What if they don't believe me? They're going to say, God didn't send you. They certainly did that to the prophets of old, sure. And so, God tells him he's going to give him these signs, you know, the, the rod's going to turn into a snake, different things like that. And so, and then he says... He's going to turn the river of Egypt into blood and all this stuff. God's telling Moses what he wants him to do and all that. And then in verse 10 of chapter 4, Moses says, Then Moses says to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to me, your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I'm not a good speaker. <laughs> What's Moses looking at again? Is he looking at the power of God? Is he putting his faith and his trust in the word of God? No, he's looking to himself. So why does, he, why does it say that in the New Testament that Moses was a man of faith? But he was doing things by faith. But you can see that faith is a fight. Faith is a fight. And sometimes when we're not spiritually minded, you see what you do. You see what Moses is doing. He's like, you know, God's telling him, oh, I'm going to do all these signs. Everything and then he says, he's looking for a way out. I'm not a good speaker. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to good. I might trip over my tongue. I, you know, I'm slow. And not, you know, I don't speak real good. Don't speak real fast. I'm going to look like a, you know, I'm going to look like a dummy before Pharaoh. In verse 11, the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who has makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I'll be with your mouth, 
and teach you what you shall say. Now, God has spoken this to many prophets in the Old Testament. <coughs> Later on, you see, and like, okay, I'm going to go. God sends Ezekiel, he goes. God sends Isaiah, he goes. He sends Jeremiah, he goes. And they suffered great persecution, but God told them when they were afraid, I'll be with you. And so, Moses still isn't there. Even though God says, I'll be with you and I'll put words in your mouth, don't worry about it. I got this. Moses isn't buying it. And he says, verse 13, he said, Oh my Lord, please send, my, send by the hand of whoever else you may send. Send somebody else. Verse 14, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Why? Because Moses was not putting his trust in the Word of God. And it's true. We're not putting our trust in the Word of God. God's not happy about it. He said, well, why? After all, you know, I'm weak and I'm this. I'm going to make all these excuses. God puts it upon us that if we believe His that he's God and that you, be, that you believe also his word, the integrity of the things that he says. That whatever he says is true, he's not a liar, and that we can build our life and base our life upon it. And we can find safety and security and peace there. Because it's true. And so we order our lives and our conduct according to his truth. And you can see, as God's trying to send him, Moses isn't buying it, and finally God's angry with him. And he rebukes him again, and he says, verse 14 again, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and said, Isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and look, he is also coming out to meet you. Isn't that a coincidence? No, it's not. God already saw what was coming. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. And so he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you. And you shall be to him as God. Verse 19, chapter 4. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go, return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. So that former, that Pharaoh that was going to kill him for killing his slave master is dead. He had died and there was a new Pharaoh in Egypt. And then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. Listen, but I will harden his heart, so that he will not let the people go. And then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your firstborn. 
Here it is. God continues to lay out the future, what was going to happen. And as he lays it out, Moses hears it. God reveals his whole plan to him. And so, in verse 29, Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. And then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. It says that Aaron spoke all the words that God had spoken to Moses. And you would assume with that, he told them all the part about how he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and that he was going to do signs in Egypt, and that it wasn't going to happen right away. I mean, that's all the words that God gave Moses. It's in there. Although it doesn't tell us in specific. So then we go to chapter 5. Verse 1. Afterwards Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor I let Israel go. And they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God lest he fall upon us with pestilence or sword. And the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land there are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people, and their officers saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick, as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on the same quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they are crying out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it. And let them not regard false words. And the taskmasters of the people and the officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. So what they did is they mixed straw with the mud and then baked it and you know, formed it into bricks and baked it, and that's how they made their, their bricks. In verse 12, so the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. 
And the slave masters forced them to hurry. Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also, the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten. Rest. Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? And the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, and they say to us, Make brick. And indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is with your own people. But he said, You're idle. Therefore you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work, for no straw shall be given to you. Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, You should not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. In other words, the amount you're supposed to make every day. And as they came out from Pharaoh, they met with Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So now, what God said is happening. God has hardened Pharaoh's heart, and now he's saying, no, I ain't going to let them go. Just like he said. God told Moses that. In verse 22, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why have you sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. You know, <clears throat> God already told him twice what was going to happen. It was already revealed to him. And yet he's not, he doesn't get it. And this is the way we are naturally with the Word of God. The Word of God is spiritual. The natural man doesn't understand the things of God, it says in 1 Corinthians. And so God speaks to them and tells them, and when trouble comes, they forget the Word of God. Moses and all the children of Israel, they forget the Word of God. The word that God told him. This he laid out his plan. They forget his plan. They stick their head in the sand and, and forget the plan of God and what God said. And all as they look at that, listen to what Moses says to God. Man of faith, what is he saying to God? Saying, Lord, why are you why are you bringing all this on your people? Why are you sending me? Look. You haven't done anything. Ever since we've come here, <coughs> you haven't delivered your people like you said. Well, it's very clear. But God wasn't done. Once again, it isn't God's time. Moses misses God's time a second time. And this time, God had revealed his plan to him. The first time he could say, well, you know, he didn't really know the Lord, whatever. God hadn't appeared to him yet in the burning bush. All that stuff. Okay, you know, you give him. So, 40 years later, God reveals the plan to him, and he actually sends him 
and he goes and things don't happen right away and it seems like the opposite's happening of what he's expecting. What he's expecting is, you know, God is just going to let him go, right? Bam, and they're just going to go. You know, Pharaoh's going to say, okay, I'm going. Away they go. and No punishment, no no troubles, no tribulations. Just God's going to, you know, part the, the you, know, a will, a, you know, road in the desert, and we're just going to ride on it and follow the yellow brick road. But from the very beginning, God did not say that's what the plan was. He said he was going to take him to the land of Canaan, but he made it clear that there's going to be trouble first. He said, I know that Pharaoh is not going to let him go. I'm going to harden his heart, and I know he's not going to let him go. And then I'm going to strike him in all of Egypt, and afterwards, afterwards he's going to let him go. So we go to chapter 6 and verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. And if you didn't believe me, now I'm going to show you. For with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. He says, not only is he going to let you go, he says, he's going to kick you out. He's going to drive you out of the land. He's going to be glad to be rid of you. So we go to verse 6 of chapter 6. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out of from under the burdens of Egypt's, Egyptians. I will rescue you from slavery. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great judgments. And I will take you as my people and I will be your God. And then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you up from out of the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke this to the children of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me, for I am of uncircumcised lips? See, Moses, he's still struggling. And the children of Israel, they don't even hear the word of God anymore. They say, you know, we don't hear what you got to say. Because it says they had anguish of spirit. Because of anguish of spirit and the cruel slavery. The cruelty with they were, which they were being treated with. They were people who had no faith. God said that later about them. They had no faith. They were reactionary. When things were good, later on when the Red Seas parted and they go through and the water comes down on the Egyptian army after they're through, says they got out the tambourines and they were dancing before the Lord. Why? Because they saw good. When they saw bad, 
They were when they were tested, when their faith was tested, they grumbled, they rebelled, they made a golden calf. They tried to stone Moses and Aaron, Joshua and Caleb. These people, they had no faith. They never believed what God said. And Moses, he sees that the children of Israel won't listen to him. God says, go talk to Pharaoh. He says, these Israel, my own people won't listen to me. Pharaoh's going to listen to me? You see that Moses is struggling with unbelief. He's looking at things from the natural. So we go to chapter 7, and verse 3. He says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not listen to you, so that I may lay so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgment. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I will stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. So now you see why God's doing This isn't just about Israel. It's about Egypt. It's about the whole world. This testimony would go out the whole world. Of the power of God. And we go to chapter 9. Beginning in verse 12, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. God had already began to bring many plagues on Egypt, and God kept on hardening his heart. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord God of Israel. Let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed for this purpose I have raised you up that I may show my power in you that my name may be declared in all the earth. But God said to him, he said, look, Pharaoh. He sent Moses a message to Pharaoh. I could have wiped you and your people out with a plague. One plague, boom, you're gone. He said, verse 16, But for this purpose I have raised you up. For this reason God appointed this man to become king of Egypt. God raised him up. So that he could <clears throat> demonstrate his power and his will and his glory in the land of Egypt to his people Israel. That my name may be declared in all the earth. So <clears throat> then God did the rest of the plagues. The last one 
He struck the firstborn of Egypt like he had told Moses in the beginning. When God told uh, him to say to Pharaoh, uh, let my people go. If you won't let them go, I will kill your firstborn son. He says, Israel is my firstborn son. Let him go. Otherwise, I will kill your firstborn son. And that was the last of the plagues. And after that, <coughs> sure enough, Pharaoh said to Moses, get out. Take the people and get out. And they drove them out of Egypt. Just as God had said. It wasn't that God was not able to do all that. But his people were slow to believe. And even the, the hand-chosen leader of his people, Moses. Moses and Aaron struggled with it too. And it's a message to us about the natural mind and the spiritual mind. The natural mind... It's reactionary. It sees and it reacts according to how it sees. When things are good, it's all praise the Lord, hallelujah. You know, and God's helping me. He's answered my prayer. Uh, he's providing my needs. He's given me this great job. He's given me this. He's given me that. He's given me the other thing. And praise the Lord, hallelujah, you know. Oh, and then guess what? Maybe things are not up there now, now they're down here. You know, things aren't good now. Maybe things aren't good financially. Maybe things aren't good, you know, in my household. Maybe things are this or that. There's problems. There's sickness. There's all these trials. And God doesn't seem to be answering. And so now, instead of being up and now we're down here, it's like, oh, you know, God, what are you doing? And why is this happening? And we sound like Moses, don't we? Like, like you know, Lord, you know, what are you, why are you sending me? You know, you sent me and I'm not, nothing's good's happening. I don't see anything happening. But do we, do we read the fine print, Moses? Where God said, I know I'm not, he's not going to let you go. And I'm going to harden his heart. And I'm going to strike Egypt. And afterwards, he's going to let you go. He said that from the very beginning at the burning bush. The very beginning of this whole thing. Moses wasn't hearing it. How are we hearing God? When he says, I, I am your God, you know, I am your Lord, I'm going to help you. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door be open. Do we choke over that? Do we stumble over that? Say, well, I asked and God didn't answer. Yeah. It says you shall receive. But again, what is God's time with God's timetable? You see, Moses missed God's timetable twice. Moses, man of God, prophet of God. He's questioning God, saying, You know, God, you said you were gonna do this, you didn't do it. He's 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 throwing the glove down and saying, You say you're gonna do it. Why why did you send me to these people? Why are you sending me to Pharaoh? Why are you doing this? Yeah. And God revealed to him what he told him from in the beginning. It's going to be my time. Because so I'm going to harden that man's heart. So he's not going to do it right away. It's like he told Pharaoh. He says, I could have struck you dead right away, you and all your people, to let my people go. He says, but I'm doing it this way because I'm doing it according to my will. So God might be glorified in, in this story would go out throughout the whole earth. 
when the children of Israel go into the promised land with Joshua, 40 years after this, another 40 years, the spies go into Jericho to spy, spy out the people, and they hear that the people are scared to death of, of the camp of Israel that's outside their city, not too far away, it just crossed over the Jordan. They heard, they heard what God had done in Egypt. They were hundreds of miles away from Egypt. But the story had heard, and they were scared to death because they heard the Red Sea open. They heard about the ten plagues in Egypt. They heard how Egypt was destroyed. And they were like, how can we stand up against this God? You know, this people that have this God. Yeah, God's word was being spread throughout all the earth, what God did in Egypt, how he had destroyed Egypt. Egypt was the most powerful nation in the world. The most powerful kingdom in the world at that time in history. <clears throat> and so, we ask ourselves a question that Jesus said. How do you hear? <clears throat> Jesus told his disciples that they were dull of hearing. Jesus told his disciples several times he was going to be arrested, beaten, crucified, and killed. And on the third day, be raised from the dead. Does, does a plan get laid out any more clearer than that? And yet they saw it all unfold before them. And when the women came from the grave and said, we saw a couple of Men in shining clothes tell us Jesus isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just like he said. And even the testimony of angels. They told they, they thought the women were telling tales. Fairy tales. They thought they made it up. And yet Jesus had clearly laid it out. You say, well, why is it that people can hear something like that and not get it? And Jesus on the night when he revealed himself to his apostles that he was indeed risen from the dead, he rebuked them because he had told them it and they didn't believe it. You see a pattern. The pattern is human nature. And the resistance to embracing the word of God because we look at life through our natural, through our human nature. And that's where we're wrong. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. It's all laid out. That's laid out in front of us. We hear it. So if we hear it, why do we still walk away and look at our troubling circumstances and go from here and fall down here? And be discouraged like the children of Israel because God had not yet answered their cry. And so they see God answer their prayer and they're up. And then they're down. And then they're up. <coughs> I heard a preacher call it one time roller coaster Christianity. 
You're up and you're down, and you're up and you're down, just like a roller coaster. God's when God's helping, and we can see His power at work. We can see things at work. We're up here, and we don't. Things are trouble, and we're down here. You know why that is? Because human nature doesn't have faith. That is no faith. Because we're just going by what we see. The Bible says, why do we hope for things that we see? That's not faith. That's what it is. It's unbelief. We see it in the men men and women of God. And it's demonstrated and laid out for us. So we should learn from it. We should learn from the mistakes of even the great men and women of God. They made mistakes. We see Abraham. We see David. We see many of the great men and women of God. They made mistakes. And we can learn from the great things they did. And and we can learn from how they stood by faith. And we can also learn from their mistakes. And it's a great blessing to us to learn what God is showing. That's why it's all recorded like this. If God didn't want us to learn from their mistakes too, why would they be recorded like this in the Word of God? To learn from their great exploits and to learn from their mistakes. To learn and so that we don't follow their mistakes, but we do follow those we follow their faith and we follow their good examples and learn from their times when they're a bad example. Brothers, want to come?